in Song of Solomon, chapter six and verse 13. Return, return, O Shulamite. That's the word, Shulamite. Return, return, that we may look upon thee. What will ye see in the Shulamite? There it is the second time. As it were, the company of two armies. That's the text. What will ye see in the Shulamite? Boy, it's quiet now, isn't it? At least I've, I've got your, your thought process going, and that's not a bad thing. Why this strange word, a Shulamite? Do you know that Shulamite in the Hebrew is the, is the feminine word, just for the name, is the feminine word meaning the same thing as Solomon in the male aspect of the same word. Solomon's name means peace. Shulamite is the feminine word for peace. They both mean the same thing. Boy, anytime I can find out how to get peace, I I wanna find out about it from the word of God. And he says this peace comes through a love relationship that exists. Now, when you read the Song of Solomon and you search through these verses, you're going to find out that outside of that, you never read her name in this book, who she actually is. It just gives the description that she takes on the name of Solomon before the wedding ever takes place. Maybe I better back up over that. See, the wedding's not taking place, but she's already taken his name. Do you know that when Candy and I got married, she loved me so much that she changed her name to my name? Now that didn't make us more or less married, it's just she changed her name to my name. I like my name so well, I didn't change it. But her name, her maiden name was Melon. When she married me, she changed her name to Evans. And she's now known as Candy Evans. You know something? We haven't been to the wedding yet, but we've already taken on his name. We are saved and we call ourselves Christians. We have taken on the name of Christ and we've not been to the wedding ceremony yet, but we still take on his name. Now this brings the question, and I don't want to get into too much detail tonight, but who is this Shulamite? Who do you think she is? Where did she come? What's that mean? Well, to be a Shulamite simply means that she came from a place called Shunem. Shunem is in the lower regions of Galilee. And basically, this is what the area is. It's a fertile area. Uh, King David and then King Solomon, they had estates that they owned that their kingdom owned in the area of Shunem. There were vineyards that were there. There were spice gardens. There were fruit orchards. There were vast estates. There were flocks and flocks of sheep that were there in Shunem. Now, they're in Jerusalem and they can't go to Shunem every day and see that every employee shows up to do their job. They need somebody 
to bring that in, just like any major metropolitan city. Do you know that there's not enough gardens inside of New York City to feed them? They've gotta go outside the city to find the harvest. Well, David had this great idea and Solomon followed it. They would, they would go to these Shunammite, Shulamite people from Shunem and they would say, here's what we'll do. If you take care of the vineyards, you take care of the spice gardens, you take care of the orchards, you take care of the flock, you take care of all of the sheep, we need those back at Jerusalem. If you take care of that, here's what we'll do. You can live there free of charge and the king through the king's treasury will provide every need that you have in your life. The king will feed you the king will clothe you. The king will take care of you. If anyone comes to fight against you, the king will fight the battle for you. All you have to do is stay in the vineyard, stay in the flock, do your job, and the king will take care of everything else. Isn't it good to have a king that loves us and says all we have to do is just be faithful where he's put us to take care of what he's given us and he'll take care of the rest. Well, they go into Shunem and they have this agreement. But David has reached a place where that he has these concubines. So they reach out through the whole kingdom to find these concubines or wives for David. So David is in need of help. I believe scripturally, I, I'm not gonna have you turn to every verse, you read it when you go home. I believe that I know who this is a picture of. You read about her in 1 Kings chapter one and chapter two. Her name is Abishag. Abishag was called to the kingdom to serve David. And sometimes when we talk about these wives, I think people get the wrong idea about the wives. It's okay if I teach you a little bit before I preach, isn't it? I can tell when I'm not doing too good, I'll quit if you don't. <laughs> That's not a thread, I don't wanna waste your time. The Bible says redeem the time. And here, here David has different needs. So those, those individuals that were brought, brought there was brought for a particular need. In 1 Kings chapter one, David is old, he's stricken in age, he's got an illness. I believe probably it was, it was probably some type of a heart problem or circulation problem because he got cold, extremely cold. And when he got cold, extremely cold, uh, they didn't have doctors to give them medication, they didn't have blood thinners, they didn't have all of those things. They just did what they knew to do. So one of the things that they would do is they would take, they said, let's take this, this young virgin, Abishag, and put her in the bed with David. And her body heat may warm up the king to bring life back into him. Now we live in a wicked old world. We've got perverted minds. I've heard preachers mispreach that. They said, why, we know that David was dead and near death because he had no interest in her. She wasn't put in his bed for a physical relationship and it wasn't anything filthy, so get your mind out of the gutter. Amen. 
She was there to try to warm his body up, to give him extra time, extra days, life. And it's proven in the Bible. You say, now you don't know if she had relationship. Read the book. Chapter one tells us in verse verse four that David knew her not. In your King James Bible, what that means is they had no physical relationship. David's near death. He does die. During the time that she's in the kingdom, two things happen. Because she has been placed in the bed of the king, the women in Shunem looked at her like somebody in biblical times would look at a harlot. Now this is hard for you to believe, but they told rumors on her. They made up lies about her. Anybody ever lie on you? Preacher called me two weeks ago, said, man, they're telling terrible lies on me and I don't know what I'm gonna do and I'm gonna get to the bottom of it and I'm calling to see if you have any advice. I said, yeah, I'll shout, man. He said, what do you mean? I said, don't track it down. First of all, you can't track a liar down. When you find out who said it, they'll lie and say they didn't say it. You're wasting your time. This is what the Bible says. Blessed are ye when men revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my name's sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. You know why? We're not in this world forever and our names is written down in the book of life and there the Lord knows the truth. So here we are now. It doesn't work. David dies, but Solomon, he sees this beautiful woman and he falls in love with her. We find out later on, Solomon marries her. Now, had she had a physical relationship with the king under the law of the kings, it would have been illegal for him to marry her. That wouldn't have been allowed under the law of the kings. But since she knew not his father, she was eligible to become his bride. He had a brother named Adonijah that he went to Bathsheba and said, listen, you're gonna have to talk to Solomon when Solomon became king. I I want her for my wife. See, really, it wasn't that he wanted her for the same reason Solomon wanted her. He knew that if he married her, that gave him a right in the royal line. And that's all he wanted her for was to use her to get what he wanted. Oh, they're still out there. And yes, they are in churches. Some of you are here this week because they used you, got through with you, and threw you away like a piece of waste paper. Preachers, I've seen them use up preachers, burn their life at the end of it, say, God bless you, we're glad you passed by our way. Boy, it's quiet now. Man, I'm gonna preach overtime, I think. So, they said, send her back to Shunem. So she's now back home when you get to the Song of Solomon. But Solomon has said to his mother, What do you want me to do? Giving my kingdom also? He's not taking her to wife. I'm taking her to wife. 
and he refused the request of his mother because he knew what his mother didn't know. It was a setup. Look right here. Every opportunity is not from God. Sometimes the devil is setting us up and we have to discern is this of God or not? Try the spirits to see if they be of God is what the New Testament teaches us. Why? Preacher, discernment means finding out right from wrong. No. Discernment is not finding out right from wrong. Discernment is finding out what's right from what's almost right. Sometimes it looks like it's right, but it's still not right. It's almost right, but it's not right. So he finds out they've sent her back. Here our story is. He wants to marry her, but now he's got a problem. It's the same problem that's faced spiritually all around the world. Jesus is looking for a bride. It's the only reason we're still here. He's waiting on the bride. He's waiting on someone to fall in love with, but here's the problem. He knew if he just showed up as the king and went to her and said, I want to marry you, he knew she, would, she came out of obligation for his father. And he didn't want a bride that came out of obligation. He wanted a bride that came to him because she loved him. But how could he know that she really loved him? Oh, I feel preaching coming on. He devised a plan that was so special. He said, this is what I'll do. Her family works near the flocks. So I'm going to dress up. The king left the throne and he laid aside his royal robes and he dressed up like a shepherd. And he went to Shunem, the place where she was at, dressed up like her own, and he said, I'm gonna stand at a distance and every now and then, I'm gonna let her catch a little glimpse of me. And I wanna see her response when she just catches a glimpse of me. So one day, she's looking through the lattice and she got a little glimpse of him. And she said, who was that? She goes out to look, but can't find him. One day she looks and sees him under the tree. Who is that? By the time she got there, he was gone. One day, she's in bed and nighttime has come and she sees him through the keyhole, if you will. And when he passed by, he just touched the door handle and she knew it was him. And she arises and she goes, but by the time she gets there, he's already gone, but she smells his fragrance. Now she knows what he looks like and she knows what he smells like. One glimpse after another. And she loved a man that she had not seen face to face yet. You think your Bible is a coincidence in whom having not seen, still you rejoice 
and we love him with a joy that is unspeakable even though we see him not. You rest assured I haven't seen him face to face yet but there's a time coming when I'm gonna stand before him and I'll say that's the one I've got glimpses of all of my life. I've seen him pass by. Non-stop. Hey, have you gotten this yet? Our bridegroom, Jesus, laid aside his royal robe. And the king of kings said, I'm gonna go down there to be one of them. I'm gonna wrap myself in flesh. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And he walked the dusty trails of life for 33 and a half years, healing the sick, performing miracles. They got glimpse after glimpse after glimpse of him. We haven't seen him face to face, but we still love him. By the time we get to this particular verse, up to this point, the daughters of Jerusalem, all they did was despised her. She thinks she's something. She's been in the king's palace and we haven't. She thinks she's better than us. That's the tool of the devil today. Don't preach on sin because the sinners will say, you just think you're better than everybody. No, but I think I'm better than that. There's some things that I'm not embarrassed to tell you. Thank God I might have done it, but I don't do it anymore because I've fallen in love with Jesus and there's some things just because I love him, I put it behind me and I leave it behind me. She's alone. So few are left that understands what she's going through. At one point she says, I am as black as the tents of Kedar. Those dirty old tents that went through the desert. She said, but on the inside, I am comely. That means beautiful. I am beautiful as the curtains in the palace of King Solomon. She said, on the outside, they look at me and say, she's filthy. But the problem of it is, they can't see the inside. Oh, but if the king was here, he can see the inside. He knows me inside and out. And he still loves me. He knows everything about me. And he still loves me. If the king was here, he'd take my part. He would defend me. He would watch out for me. I know it. So finally, she's gone. She's gone for a while. She's in search of her love. By night on my bed, I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. She said, I will rise now and go about the city and the streets, and I will say to them, have you seen him whom my soul loveth? I sought him but I found him not. It was a little while that I passed from them that I found him whom my soul loveth. 
I held him and I would not let him go until he brought me into his mother's house. Do you know what he was saying? She was saying, she said, I'm not gonna stop until I see him face to face. She's now gone and they miss her. I wanna tell you something. One of these days, the world that's looking at us right now and says, that's the craziest bunch of people I ever saw in my life. What kind of people would take their money and drive halfway across the nation to go down into a convention center, sit down with a lot of people they don't even know, spend their money, go down there, go to church two times a night? Those people must be crazy. What's the matter with those folks? What's wrong with that bunch that gets up when the snow is on and drives to Rubyville to church? What's wrong with that bunch that when a hurricane hits, they still on the other side of it, they pack up and go to Tampa and go to church? What's wrong with those folks in Columbus, Ohio, where there's so many things going on? What's the matter with them? Why do they want to go down there to a church called Friendly? come to the conclusion, the world says, I know what it is. They're crazy. Bless their heart. I feel so sorry for them. They have to have church, church, church. They they need a crutch. They need a crutch all the time. They're always running to church. And they're always praying and sitting around reading their Bible. Poor, poor souls. What's the matter with them? They're all the time pestering me, saying, why don't you come and go to church? Don't they know that the weekend is the only time I have to cut my grass and mow my lawn? Don't they know what all I'm involved in? Don't they know that after I work my my week, why in the world would I want to leave and go to sit around with a bunch of people at a place that I've never been, don't know nothing about? Why would I want to do that? I tell you why, because we found him whom our soul loveth. They can call us what they want to call us but we know that we have fallen in love with Jesus. He said if you love me you will keep my commandments. I'm about to quit but I got to tell you this. Solomon is a picture and type of Jesus Christ. Abishag is a type of the church. And right now they're making fun of us. But soon the trumpet's gonna sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And do you know those that's left behind what they're gonna say? Return, return, oh Shulamite. What happened to those church going people? We need them. Oh, I need somebody to pray for me. I need somebody to tell me about the love of Jesus. Where did they go? What happened to them? 
They hate us now, but they'll want us back. We have what religion doesn't have. What do we have? We have a groom. And his name is Jesus. Years ago, I did a study on singing. We have a lot of singing down here this week. I did a study on singing. And in singing, this is what I found. Do you know, and I've searched through all religions, I cannot find any religion in all the world that has congregational singing. Except Christianity. Other religions, they'll have a group that sings, they'll maybe have a, a choral group, they'll have musicians at play, but they don't have congregational singing. You say, now wait a minute, what, what, about, what about the Jewish people? Well, in the, in the time of the temple, there was an outer court a Gentile court, as he told us the other night, the women could only go so far, Gentiles could only go so far first, women so far, then men so far, priests so far, and finally the high priest was the only one allowed into the holiest of holies. So there was no seeing of the congregation when the blood was being offered. Because there's only one behind the veil. <laughs> Can't have congregational singing with one. That's a solo. Someone asked me here a while back, said, you bring that out every now. Why do you point that out? I said, well, think about it. We're the only one. Ron got up here tonight, and he said, let's sing this song. And he started singing the song. You all joined in. Boy, it sounded beautiful, me sitting over there. And I'm thinking about this. I'm getting ready to preach. And here we are, singing together. Why do you think we sing together as a congregation? We're the only ones got anything to sing about. Every other religion of the world, uh, when they come to their leader, they live, they died, they're buried, and that's it. But when we come to Jesus, he lived, uh, he died, uh, he was buried, uh, but he is not where they laid him. He has risen like he said, uh, and we're the only one that can say uh, he loved uh, a sinner like me enough uh, to come to where I was uh, and save my soul uh, and change my life. No wonder he is so pleased with our worship. Return. Return. Come back. Come back. That's my message. I wish the church would just be the bride. 